What's up, Dialed fam? Happy Monday and welcome to the Dialed Health Podcast. My name is Derek Teal. I'm the owner and head coach here at DialedHealth.com. And I'm Amber Simon, project manager of DialedHealth.com. And today's topic is very, very fresh for me. And today we're talking about how to go from feeling stiff, tired, and unmotivated to ready to ride or ready to train. Now, this is very fresh for me because just two days ago from when we're recording this, I had a road ride that ended up being, it was my fastest actual average speed that I've ever had on a ride. And it was funny because right before the ride, I mean, 30 minutes before I was yawning, my head was laying down on my counter and I was kind of swapping kid watching shifts with my wife. And she's looking at me like, you're going to go ride. And I'm like, yep. And the fact I got from that to having a really great road ride was almost surprising to me. It was a reminder of a lot of things. But when I look back, there's all of these things that I do to prep and go from feeling so tired and out of it, like how am I possibly going to ride to feeling ready to go in, in fact, almost outforming what I anticipated that day. So I figured I would just share exactly what I do to bridge that gap with you guys. And stay tuned after the main content for member questions. We have strength workout intensity regarding weight and rep range. We have bucket list 2022 rides and how the cross country discipline progression is going for Derek. And also, how often should you incorporate form and technique into your workouts and rides? So lots of member questions, and I'm excited about all of them. And of course, we have some announcements specifically for the Dialed Fam as well, talking about a new supplement partner that we're working with, the Dialed Health Shred Details, which it's coming up, by the way, people, this January. And we're also going to follow up with Amber about how her December shred is going, getting the updates, and really just getting motivated for us to do a shred of our own. So let's get into the main content. Jumping into the main content of the podcast, we are going into how to go from stiff, tired, and unmotivated to ready to rip. So we have quite a few bullet points to hit today. Mindset, breathing and naps, nutrition, equipment prep, movement, starting the ride, and then whether to go hard or not, and how to modify. So Derek, why don't we run straight into mindset? Yeah, it's absolutely the most important part because you deciding to go ride starts simply with that decision. It's the thought process of like, okay, I'm trying to take in the fact that I feel like trash right now. I feel like garbage. I have to go ride, which I probably want to deep down, but it's hard to get over the fact that riding is very physical and it takes a lot of energy and effort. And I just don't feel like I have that right now. And that's exactly how I felt uh, just a couple of days ago. As I mentioned in the intro, I was literally yawning, head was down on my table, feeling wiped out. I felt mentally drained. Physically, I didn't feel 100% because I had a really tough ride the day before. And yeah, I was just in that point where I had to really be like, okay, let me just go through the motions of getting my bottles ready and prepping my equipment. And let me just see if I can kind of come around. But ultimately, you still have to get up from your chair or switch your focus from whatever it is you're doing to the fact that you are committed to riding. You are going to do your ride. And that really does start with your mindset. So one thing that I like to 
to focus on is really how often I've been in that position up to this point and how much my body has kind of like lied to me, my feelings. Like they have led me to think that I couldn't possibly perform or have a great ride that day. And then I go out and do it and I end up surprising myself and maybe even riding better or having a better strength workout than I anticipated. Because I should say, by the way, this really goes hand in hand with not only riding, but with a strength workout. I think we're going to reference riding a little bit more because there's a little bit more involved with equipment. And again, this is more fresh in my mind, but I will say the amount of times I start strength workouts feeling the same way beforehand, especially this year with the twins, it's the majority of the time, to be honest. I look forward to that not being the case, but it's just the truth. So you remind yourself, okay, sometimes I don't feel good, but my body isn't always, like how I feel isn't always the reality of what my body can do. And the more often you prove that to yourself, the more you're going to believe it and the easier it is going to be to push past that threshold of like, okay, I actually have something in me that can go out and have a good ride or a good strength workout that's productive and worth it. Now, I will tell you, if that doesn't happen for some reason, which has also happened, it's not as often, but you still made the decision to start and you're ingraining that habit of consistency. You're literally ingraining the pathways of consistency deeper into your brain to make it an easier decision in the future. So even if worst case scenario, you don't have a good ride or you don't have a good strength workout, you never really come around and feel better. Even after going through these steps, you did ingrain that habit deeper, which ultimately in the end is going to lead to more consistency and better results long term. So keep that in mind. The worst case scenario here is it doesn't go well, but you still ingrain that habit of consistency. And that's a major win. So I wanted to touch on that really quick because and really quick, I swear I'm not going to get down a rabbit hole. But that was actually one of the things that I learned in therapy for like athletic mental blocks is she taught me how to like do little mini movies in my head when I was trying to like self sabotage myself into not going on a ride is to like imagine a time when it went really well and how that felt and what did I eat before and like really like almost make a movie of that day in my head and revisualize how it turned around and I thought it was not going to be good and it was great. So it's actually like a literal therapy technique. So good job, therapist Derek. I didn't even know I was doing that, but that's awesome. And that makes sense. The visualization is important in that beginning stage because you almost do have to walk yourself through what it's going to take to go from where you're at to where you want to be, which is, you know, probably prepping bottles, prepping ride food, it's prepping your body, your equipment, maybe making sure your schedule's lined up, figuring out your route or figuring out what strength workout you're going to do. These are all things that you're going to have to visualize or you step into the action of doing them. So that's a great tip, Amber. I love that. And it's very real. And it's crazy how you'll have to do that for the most maybe mundane things in life. Like there's very simple things we do throughout the day that sometimes you have to make up that movie for. Like I do it to get out of bed a lot of mornings. If I'm sitting there and I hit the snooze and I'm like, whoa, I don't want to move right now. Sometimes I have to visualize myself of like going to the bathroom, doing my little bathroom routine, grabbing coffee, getting to the couch, maybe popping open a book. And all of a sudden that becomes my motivation to get out of bed, which is the coffee and the book in my hand. <laughs> but if I wouldn't have got thought that far, I might've just stayed in bed, you know, and never really like yeah. Yeah. got up on time and executed. Yeah. You're like romanticizing the process for sure. There you go. Yeah. So it's funny too, that I mentioned book because right now I'm reading a book, uh, which by the way, this morning I read two pages, but I was very proud that I cracked it open because it's been difficult to read with the babies, but I'm 
trying to ingrain the habit. And it's crazy how just five minutes with a book open to me can, that feels like therapy. So I'm reading a book right now called It Takes What It Takes. And it's by Trevor Moad. Rest in peace, by the way, this guy passed away recently, which is super tragic, but he's an incredible football coach. A lot of people know his involvement with Russell Wilson when he was dominating on the Seahawks, which I really only know from this book because, well, actually everybody in America knew who Russell Wilson was on the Seahawks because it was that big of a deal. I just don't follow (laughs) sports that much, but basically, it's talking about neutral thinking. And the whole idea of this book is how to have consistent success as an athlete through neutral thinking. And he has a really a couple really good examples. And it made me think this is kind of what you need to do to make that decision to go through with your ride. So he brings up a point that, and I'm going to butcher this a little bit because again, I'm like 30 pages into this book. <laughs> Hopefully I'll have a better recap once I finish reading it. But he talks about how it's very difficult for athletes to go from like bad plays on the football field and negative thinking and the negative mindset and all that setting in immediately into thinking positive. Like making that switch is almost impossible. And when they do it, it's kind of like fake. It's not real. They don't even believe themselves. But just like a car, you don't, you can't go from reverse, which would be your negative thoughts, high speed reverse, and just shift it into drive, which would be the positive thoughts. Going from that, you know, from reverse to drive without having neutral in between or a quick stop or a quick break in neutral is going to lead to problems. You're probably going to break your engine. You're going to blow up your tires on your car. Something bad's going to happen if you don't have that pause and that transition point. And he's saying that neutral thinking is the transition point. When you find yourself with really negative thoughts that are pulling you down, you have to pause. You have to get neutral for a second before you can even go in a drive and before you can get positive. Because if you don't actually evaluate what's going on and you don't accept the reality that what happened in the past, even if it was five minutes ago, doesn't need to dictate my future. And just the past is not a prologue to your future is one thing that he said. And it's interesting because, you know, I could find quotes that contradict that, but think about it in this context. What he's saying is just because you failed five minutes ago, doesn't mean you need to fail in five minutes. You can turn it around and you have that control. So you have to get to that point neutrally where you accept that reality. Like that is truth. Everyone has experienced that the highs and lows of a day or an hour or five minutes. And so when you accept that, okay, I have the physical capability to get this done. And they're talking about on the football field, just because I threw a bad pass or ran a bad play, like that happens all the time. And I can turn around and do a great play because that's within me too. I've also done that. And I have that choice to get there now. So when, when you sort of think neutrally like that, it allows you to move forward with those positive thoughts. So for me, it's like, okay, I have to stop focusing on when I catch myself focusing on the negatives of how hard it's going to be to put out that effort when I start riding or how bad I feel, or maybe my schedule is not making this super easy for my day right now. I have to pause and be like, okay, what's the reality? The reality is I get to go freaking ride my bike today, or my body is healthy enough to do a strength workout, which supports my goals. This is kind of you remembering your why and thinking neutrally of the reality of like, how sick is it that I get to go do my favorite thing right now? That's the truth. That is reality. And then you could start focusing on the feeling of when it's over. When it's over, I'm going to feel better regardless. And as I mentioned earlier, the worst case scenario is that you have a more consistent embedded habit of starting. And so when you really embrace those things, it's going to be easier to now start shifting into positive thinking. Be like, oh, cool. Well, you know what? I do get to ride. And there is that one road I want to check out. There's that one trail I want to check out. Or you know what? I was going to do some skills practice on my bike today. Or you know what? I wanted to do that bench press today. Or you know, my shoulder finally feels better. So I can do that row variation, whatever it was. So those are the small little thoughts that shift you from neutral to positive. And that's really how you get your mindset from, 
I can't do this to actually genuinely excited. There's that that neutral pause in between. Yeah, a lot of times I to get myself to that neutral way of thinking, sometimes I'll, I don't even know that I necessarily learned this in therapy. I learned a lot of things in therapy. But one thing I do is I'll consider like, well, if I don't go, I like guilt myself with FOMO. How bad will I feel if I don't go? And then all of my friends are like, had a great time and it was the trails were perfect. Will I feel worse about missing out or will I be feeling worse mid-ride even at my worst? And like nine times out of 10, I will feel way worse to be missing out with being with my friends, getting a great day of riding. And even if it wasn't my best, I would feel way worse about missing it. So like yes. sometimes I'll use it to like crick myself a little bit. Yeah, that's so true. I've done that also where you're like, well, honestly, I'm going to be more mad at myself for not going riding <laughs> than if I go out and ride yeah. and it sucks. Because at least I yes. tried or like you said, the lowest point on your ride is still usually better than not riding. <laughs> so that's a really good point. Yep. Next up, we have breathing and my favorite naps. Quincy was never a big fan of naps until you, by the way. He like never took naps. So you've made him a nap person because it doesn't have to be a long nap. It has to be an effective nap, right? That's right. And I put this right after mindset because it is a way for you to also shift your way of thinking and to get into neutral. And that breathing session or the naps can be that natural transition uh, or some form of a trigger for you to make that shift. So it doesn't happen regularly, but when I can take like a five or 10 minute nap, put my legs up, and I know when I get up, I'm going to get ready for a ride, that transition is so much easier. The reality is, though, it's harder to be in that state. Like a lot of people don't have time to take the nap. You have the kids running around, like there's something preventing you from it. Uh, so I understand that I can't do it all the time, but it is ideal. In fact, this ride I'm keep referencing from a couple of days ago, if I could have taken a 10 minute nap, and I almost asked my wife to do it, I just felt the pressure of the clock a little bit too much. But that would have been ideal for me. So basically, what I would have done was I would have honestly acknowledged the fact that I didn't feel good. I want to lay down five, 10 minutes, set an alarm, put something over your eyes, maybe earplugs, but elevate your legs. That's also going to help you just feel fresher when you stand up. But you laying down and going to sleep, quote unquote, with the mindset that I'm going to wake up and prep for a ride. For me, it helps me forget about what happened before that nap and any some of the stress from it. And I think it's because I'm kind of getting into neutral way of thinking beforehand. And I've already decided when I get up, I'm going to start this ride prep or I'm going to start this workout. So that is a very easy, natural transition, in my opinion. And even if you don't fall asleep, laying on the ground and just breathing and trying to clear your head out is... Man, it is like that is real therapy right there. And so if you don't have time to take the nap, another thing you can do is just pause and take some deep breaths. Breathe through your nose, breathe out your mouth, deep belly breaths, use your diaphragm, fill up your stomach and just try and breathe deep and like relax. And the goal isn't to just put yourself in a total parasympathetic state before your ride, but you are trying to like really get into neutral by using your breath to help assist. And those deep breaths will give your body the natural trigger to try and like to try and just relax a little bit. And sometimes it's like a shakeout for your body. A deep breath is literally like a shakeout for your body to think neutrally. So those are two tools that you can use if you're not able to make that quick transition or you need some kind of a trigger. And that's kind of why we brought them up next, because I'll even say like before this ride I did two days ago, I felt so unrecovered from the previous day that I don't want to say it's like arrhythmia or heart palpitations or something. But you know, when you have like a you feel like your heart like skips a beat, like when I'm really fatigued, sometimes that'll happen or I can tell I'm not taking deep breaths or I feel a little bit shaky. These are all 
signs to me that I just don't feel recovered. And that was happening a little bit. And I kid you not, deep breathing solves that almost every single time. It's really strange. So yeah, breathing your naps, it's another tool to use to get yourself into neutral thinking and ultimately to positive thinking to starting. Or maybe like promise yourself a nap, like go get that ride or even maybe like cut it a few minutes short and then take a nap. Like, you know, use just your reward for getting back out there, you know? Yeah. Or even if it's a post ride beer or something like that, like that's you know, sort of you, you know, how I mentioned, I use this uh, visualization, creating that movie in your head to get out of bed and get the coffee in my hand and get the book and whatever. It, that could be you with a beer at the end of the ride. <laughs> and if that's what it, it takes for you, there's probably a lot of positive, you know, healthy balance to that whole way of thinking. So, and that kind of gets us into, I guess, sort of the next topic, which is where I'm about to really ramp up the intensity. Yeah. Step three, coked up Carly Sheen. Or Charlie Sheen, Carly Sheen. I'm Carly, you're Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Winning. That's right, people. We're talking about pre-workout stimulants, baby. If the breathing doesn't work, if the naps don't work, if you have a big poopy mindset, guess what? A little cocaine can fix you right up. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, we are not talking about that. I'm just talking about caffeine. But you know, I'll tell you, some of these stimulants, <laughs> that was Charlie Sheen talking. Winning. Okay. Oh gosh, I can't wait till 2022, Amber. My wife stops working. It is on. So anyways, let's talk about pre-workout stimulants, carbs, and hydration. So let's say you've gotten your mindset to the point you're starting. Now you start moving your body. You're literally just walking to the kitchen and you're kind of just getting things going. Having some caffeine at that time is a really good idea. Now, if you are under 18 and you're relying on caffeine, that's probably not a good thing. In fact, this is something that you should definitely talk to your parents about. And to be honest, I really don't think you should reach for caffeine at that point. I'm bringing that up because I just watched this crazy thing on pre-workouts and how gnarly they can be on your body. And and truthfully, Mm -hmm. I think caffeine is something to respect, even though I'm very, very pro-caffeine. I'm not saying to go dump five Red Bulls down your mouth. But if you go and have a Red Bull at this time, full sugar with some carbs in it, it's probably going to do exactly what you want. It's going to stimulate your body, get you mentally thinking more sharply, give you more energy and give you some sugar in your, you know, fill up some last minute glycogen stores that you can go dump on that ride. So having a Red Bull in the fridge, having a coffee, putting some sugar in it can can be a very good idea or even just having some water and a banana. I mean, hopefully you're regularly hydrated throughout the day, but a quick hit of sugar and a quick snack could also be something to make your stomach feel good. And again, this is another layer of making your body feel better to go and start this whole riding process. So what I did two days ago was I grabbed, I had a full sugar Red Bull in my fridge. It was perfect. I had a meal a couple hours before. I wasn't hungry. I didn't really want anything in my stomach, but I, I was tired. I knew I was about to put out a heavy effort from, you know, out of the gate pretty much or excuse me, post warm up. So I was like a Red Bull is this is literally what Red Bull was made for right now. This is why this drink exists. And it exists if I wanted to do that throughout the workout as well. So it's a perfect time to use it. So if you have a pre workout powder, if you have coffee or any form of something caffeinated like that, it's 
it, it's your time to use it. And so I would say, you know, be aware of how much caffeine you're taking in. Like I mentioned, you know, having over a hundred milligrams is probably not necessary. You know, some people are going to react differently, but if you think, okay, I'm about to go elevate my heart rate on its own to go dump 300 milligrams of caffeine. I don't know. People do that. Amber, have you read how much caffeine is in a lot of pre-workouts? It's scary. It's like mind blowing. I don't really take it. I don't take pre-workout. I'll occasionally have like a skinny can of like Celsius or Alani or something like that for, as like almost like a treat. Like I know I'm yeah. going to have a really hard workout. And so that's like, okay, well, I'm going to have one of those because I don't have it regularly. But don't yeah. go fooling any of us because we all heard you say like three or four episodes ago that you were like beer bonging Red Bulls in your high school days. So like, you know, from experience. <laughs> I did a lot of things in my high school days that I would never do these days. That's for sure. <laughs> I haven't read any of that stuff. That sounds crazy though. I, I mean, you're That's obviously so more funny. educated on that than I am, but sounds rough. Look at like a cup of coffee, which like a black cup of coffee from Starbucks, I want to say has like a 150 milligrams of caffeine. It's hard to say because different types of beans have different caffeinated levels, the way people brew stuff. So it can change, but a shot of espresso can be like 60 milligrams of caffeine to 80. Cup of coffee is like 150 for a small black cup of coffee. And then you have like a Red Bull, which people demonize, but it has 80 milligrams of caffeine for a small size Red Bull. It's not that much. Your Celsius probably has like around 50. I'm not honestly sure. It could have a little more. Uh, but then you get into the more like 16 ounce cans of energy drinks and the have 200 milligrams of caffeine or 150 or there's some like the bang energies have 300 milligrams in it which is probably why people love it because i'll tell you people it freaking works like if you go take a full scoop of pre-workout that has close to 300 milligrams of caffeine which is gnarly because people will just you know go straight to the dome they do uh, like dry shots of pre-workout dry scooping uh, yeah yeah dry scooping thank you so they'll literally take a scoop of this pre-workout powder that has you know 300 milligrams of caffeine, dump the whole scoop in their mouth, take one swig of water, swish it up and swallow it all at one time. That to me, okay. that actually scares me. And I'll drink four cups of coffee in the morning and I'll sip on it over three hours. But to dump that much caffeine in your system at once, oh my, I, I don't know about that. But anyways. I have done that. <laughs> you have a full scoop? I've yeah, but you gotta like <laughs> put the tongue up before you throw it because it goes straight down the hatchet if you don't. You'll like choke. It's like back in the yeah. cinnamon challenge days and you'll end up like choking on your pre-workout. But yeah, I, I don't know. Challenge. I feel like when I get those, <laughs> you remember that? I've done, I've All these like yet. crazy <laughs> high school memories. So those bangs, like I feel like if I start one of those bang energies, I'll get like partway through it and my body is just like, no. Like I just mm. like can't make myself drink it after I'm like a third or two thirds into it because like it's not even that I'm like sick of it. I just like my body is telling me no. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's just too much, you know, but those, yeah. I don't know. I haven't had many of those. No, that's careful. good. You listen to it. And again, I'm not trying to like single any one thing out, but you know, like for example, I have pre-workout in my studio right now and I love it. I actually, I'd say I use it for at least half of my workouts. I do a third of a scoop, uh, by the way. And it's like, it's delicious. I just dilute it with like eight ounces of water, sip on it throughout the beginning of my workout. And it really does help. Like the stimulants in it freaking work. <laughs> that's why people buy it. It works, but just be cautious with right. it. But again, as you start to prep and move your body, making sure that there's some caffeine in your system, having some carbs in your system, and just making sure you're hydrated are all things that are very easy to do and they're going to make you feel so much better. So that is like once you have made that mindset decision before you are even really prepping your gear or doing anything or even changing, I would do this first thing because like 
even if you're just putting your gym shorts on, at least get that in your system as soon as possible. And it's going to make everything else after it feel easier. Good idea. Well, we've prepped our mind and we've kind of prepped our body. Next is equipment. You got to prep your equipment, right? Yeah, I like to do it in this order because we are going to talk about movement, which is, in my opinion, the, probably the most, besides the mindset shift, the most immediate thing that's going to make you feel different and make you feel ready. But equipment prep is something I like to do beforehand uh, because I like to actually get into my workout or my ride as soon as possible after my movement. And I've noticed that if I do my movement prep and, and move my body before any of my equipment's ready, there's such a lag time now between that movement in the start of my workout or my ride that it feels like I start to lose the benefits of it. So that's why once I have the nutrition going, I've made that decision, I'm starting, I make sure my gear's ready. So this could be making sure, for instance, with my road rides, if I'm leaving from the house, it's like, okay, I have to know where my kit's at. <laughs> am I, am I, do I get a clean bib today? Where's my heart rate monitor, my shoes, my bike? Is it prepped? <laughs> I know Amber, you're making faces about the clean bib. That's so gross. Get you never wear dirty bibs? No. Dude, guilty. I'm guilty. Not You're not guilty. I'm very guilty of that. Thankfully, LEL is really starting to back us, dude, because, yeah, I, your boy needs some help. But anyways, I have, I just make sure my stuff's out. I check my tire pressure every ride. I make sure my chain's loop. Sometimes I'll do a bolt check, uh, make sure my devices are charged or whatever. And I just make sure my my equipment is ready. You know, I'll go put my bottles on my bike. I'll put out my nutrition. If it's my workout, I'm going to make sure I know exactly what workout I'm going to do. And as I mentioned, you know, I'm not always following a program. I, I wish I was, but I got to do all these different workouts and experiments. So I'll write my workout on my blackboard in the studio before I even start my workout. And that's super important for me. But again, if I chose to do that after my warm up, there's too much lag time. So doing it, it also helps helps you be like, okay, everything's ready. I just have to prep my body now and then I can get going. So going from the nutrition to the equipment prep, in my opinion, is the best order to do that in, whether it's your ride or your strength workout. I am the most spoiled because Quincy literally does all of my equipment prep for me. I'm down to every single thing you've just mentioned. Like he charges my Garmin. I'm going to go for a ride. He'll like lay all my stuff out on the bed for me. It's the sweetest thing. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. If he sees my stuff laying around, he'll put it in the right pockets of my like pedal industries bag, make sure it's all where it needs to be so I don't lose it. He, he like babysits my equipment and he's yeah. a king for doing that. It's very And nice. so your bike is prepped too. Spoiled. Like your bike is, you just walk Always. out and your bike's ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Does anyone want to just give Amber a little punch to the face after hearing that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because he wow, wants Quincy, to see me rubbing are... so bad. Dang. I'd marry Quincy for that. Yeah. Anybody would. I think he's just like, a, just a, he's a joy, man. Got that chain lubed, makes my bottles sometimes for me. Ask me when I want a snack on. Wow. That's incredible. Does anyone else get that kind of treatment from their spouse? That's, that's yeah. insane. Yeah. Very jealous about that. <laughs> Next up we have movement. So like foam rolling or Theragun, right? Like I've never really thought about doing that yep. before a ride. I know that you've preached it, but I don't, I never think to actually do it. Would you think I would, if I had all this time from not prepping my equipment, I could be doing these things, huh? <laughs> it really makes such a big difference. I mean, people are going to tell you all day long, oh, you shouldn't foam roll at this specific time. You shouldn't stretch at this specific time. You should do this or that. But you guys listen to your body. When I'm stiff, which we know what that feeling is. You feel stiff. You feel a little sore. You just don't feel flexible. You feel tight. 
Getting on a foam roller is incredible because not only are you promoting blood flow, you're massaging your muscles, but you're also having to hold up your body. And that takes a little bit of effort, which helps warm up your body. You're probably moving into positions that start naturally stretching you, opening you up a little bit. I know for myself, I'll always start by sitting on the roller, getting my glutes. I'll roll my back. I do some windshield wipers for my low back, which if you don't know what that is, go become a dialed fan member because windshield wipers really make my low back feel so good before a ride. And then I'll do thoracic extensions, open up my chest and my shoulders and make my upper back feel good. And then I'll hit my IT bands. And that process is great because it makes me feel so much better. It warms me up. And the next natural progression is doing some form of stretching. So I'll roll into stretching after that. And I really just hit the tight spots. For me, it's usually IT band related. Sometimes it's hips. And so I'll just do some very light active stretches, which means two to five second holds. If I have an area that feels exceptionally tight or if I'm having some sort of a flare up, I might actually hold that spot for a little longer. For instance, if your neck feels really tight, you could just drop your left ear to your left shoulder. There's a chicken wing movement you can do with your arms, but just make sure even if you're holding a small weight or kind of putting your opposite fingers on a counter and turning your head away from it and lengthening one side of your neck, that could be something that you hold for literally 60 seconds on each side and all of a sudden you can breathe better and your posture feels better. And so going from foam rolling into the stretching is great because once you do that, you will naturally feel ready to activate. So for me, it's doing some clamshells on the ground, laying on my side and activating my hips. This is like full Jane Fonda. I'm opening my legs and I'm closing them and I'm just waiting for the burn in my uh, outer hip. That's going to help stabilize my knees. I'll do some glute bridges to get my glutes firing, my hamstrings firing. I'll do some downward dogs, which stretches my calves. It activates my shoulders. I might even hold a plank for a second or hold a side plank for a second just to get my obliques firing. So that step of foam rolling, stretching, and then activation is it could be a five minute process. It could be 10 minute process, but you'll literally go from feeling stiff and just tight to actually feeling ready to move. You know, by the end of it, I'll stand up with a little spring and it's like completely counter opposite to how I felt before it. Now, what's really nice is if you have multiple different types of tools to use, and this is where the Theragun comes in handy. I will tell you after using the Theragun for close to a year now, I have basically fall in love with it more and more and more because you start to learn when your body craves it. And I will say before a workout, when you're feeling a little tight is one of those times where the Theragun simply makes you feel, and I'm sorry for the bro science language here, it loosens you up, quote unquote, (laughs) so well. It's just the vibration over your whole body. It just... It, it relaxes your muscles. It feels like it looses them up. And that is like the quickest thing you can do before a workout is just blast your legs, blast your neck, blast your arms in your chest, your hips, whatever with the Theragun. And it's low effort. It's, it's just super easy. It could not be easier. Um, and it makes your body feel really good. I think the amount of effort that you put out and the return that you get is pretty unbeatable. So getting something like that is also really, really nice. Yeah, I have my Theragun. It's like a knockoff, but I use that is one thing that I will use before ride sometimes because I get like that naggy like outer hip and I'll just like hit it with that Theragun and it always helps, man. And they're just so convenient. Like you don't really have to do anything. Foam rolling is like you said, like super dynamic, but Theragun, it's lazy. (laughs) You just do it, you know? I know. I know. I'm telling you, if those things were more quiet, I would use it twice as often. That's the one thing. And I've heard Hyperice. The brand is a little bit more quiet, which I need to check out, but that's my only knock on it. Other than that, it's, dude, those things are incredible. (laughs) I'm so rude at home. I'll just use that thing all the time. I don't even care that it's loud. People probably hate me for it. 
Honestly, it, it's just the little babies not trying to wake them up or like what I've learned now yeah. too is this whole process is so difficult when you have like these little crawlers around the floor because I'll sit on the ground and no matter where my kids are in the entire house, I, within 30 seconds, they will all be crawling over the top of me. Like I can't even foam roll these days. So it's really interesting, like picking the time to do it uh, or sometimes even kind of modifying this to do it in the garage, like right before I go, you know, like I'll be fully kitted bikes prepped and I'm about to close the garage. And I'm like, you know what? I need to actually do some movement prep here. And this is when, you know, I do some leg swings and I do some modified versions of this process, which is rolling, stretching, activation, rolling, stretching, activation, or you could just think deep tissue, stretch activation because that's the order in which your body's going to probably feel the best after and amber you recently noticed this right on a ride we were talking about it beforehand yeah yeah i didn't know if you wanted me to mention that i was just telling you earlier that i went on a group ride on sunday and it went pretty well like i was able to improve some things but there is a section right as you dump into the trail and it's called rough start and it is literally a rough start and i did not do my normal like parking lot play where i like find some stairs to go down or like try to do some wheelies or like you know jog up a hill real fast on my bike you know nothing crazy but just like some playing around to get my body used to riding my bike again and i didn't do that and i could tell like my steering was all over the place. I was grabbing brake because I wasn't loosened up and I wasn't steering where I was supposed to be steering or putting my tire where it was supposed to go. It was a freaking train wreck for like a mile and a half. And the only thing I could yeah. take away that could have improved the entire ride was I could have warmed up because I would have been so much more efficient at the beginning of the ride. Instead of warming up halfway through my ride, I probably would have yeah. been like ready to go at the beginning of my ride. And so it's just utilizing that time a little more smartly and like not forgetting about it. I'm never again. <laughs> It was oh, so that's important. Such a good I didn't point. realize it was important. When you go through this process of I mean, you're you're also talking about some skills work on the bike too, which is another layer to it. Like that's a really great example, especially if you're going mountain biking to do a couple parking lot drills, uh, kind of like we talked about with Spencer on the last episode. That that's another layer that's even perfect, and just getting the mind muscle connection going, just coordination on par. But I mean, how many rides have you gone on? And this is to everyone listening right now, where you it takes an hour to feel warmed up. Like you don't feel good until like an hour in. That happens to me frequently, and it's usually hey. after a big effort you know, in previous rides or whatever it may be, but it can take that long to feel fresh. But when I go through these steps to the T, you jump on your bike and obviously you still have to warm up, but I promise you the first 30 minutes of your ride will feel so dramatically better that you'll never want to skip your warm up again. Honestly, it's, it's crazy how you jump on your bike and all of a sudden you're like, oh, you don't feel like you have to work the kinks out. You're just riding. You're just riding all of a sudden you can yeah. focus on the ride. And that is exactly. like the biggest motivator to do this. And that's kind of what you experience. And, and I actually have, I've noticed the exact same thing. Yeah, it was bananas. And I know that like technically that was like kind of skills work, but I do feel like I get my heart rate up a little bit and get loosened up when I'm doing that skills work and kind of get in the mindset of like, okay, it's time to like focus in, you know, it's, it, it isn't really like a warm up, but it's, I don't know, like, I guess I'm getting my heart rate up. So no, it, it is, is kind a warm, of up. A warm up. You know I that guess. there's some people yeah. who do the off season enduro program that the warm up is a 1500 meter row, which takes a lot of people like six to eight minutes or so. And so people who don't have a rower, some people will jog, some people have a spin bike they'll get on, but there's quite a few people that do their skills practice then mountain bikers that yeah. train. So they'll, they'll literally just do wheelie practice for like 10 minutes and then jump into the dynamic warm up, which is like the runner stretches and the gorilla squats and walk out vinyasa. 
again, these are all movements that you can use going into your rides. So I think it's a perfect way to do it. And I will tell you, for the Dial Fam members specifically listening, this is something that we really want to dive into more as far as options for the Dial Fam. In fact, this is total behind the scenes stuff right now. But Amber, I was trying to get Brady to come in tomorrow and film a pre-ride warm-up for the website specifically, like a guided pre-ride warm-up. We're not able to do it tomorrow, but it is the next thing that we're going to film. And I want to roll out more quick videos like that, that people can use that is really like way more practical that you wouldn't really think of in the scope of an exercise program. But again, it's one of those things that makes your life feel so much better. Uh, So I'm looking forward to adding stuff like that to the website for the members specifically. We are going to do it. It's part of the reason we're having this conversation today. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Quincy uses the crap out of those guided workouts. He prefers them. I'm usually in the gym, so I want to like hit next on everything. But he's usually in the garage and loves all the guided workouts. And I'm sure he would use that specifically. And I probably need to because I am tight all the time everywhere. Yeah, (laughs) because I'm never stressed. It'll be coming soon. It, It really will be. Sweet. Well, if we've already gotten activated and stretched and our minds ready and our bikes ready, we got to like start riding, right? Yeah. You're officially ready to ride. So yeah, like you said, you, your mind's ready. You have had that nutrition in your system. Your equipment's prepped. You've moved your body. You're activated. And now you have to start your ride and get moving. So even if at this point you just still don't feel good, which is possible, I think it's less likely at this point if you went through all those steps, but if you're still like dragging your feet out of the garage or out of the door, or you're loading your bike up and you're like, oh my gosh, like what am I doing? You really want to take the pressure off of yourself and extend your warm up. Like, roll out easy, easier than you normally roll out, and plan on staying that way for an extra five minutes, an extra 10 minutes. I know for myself, I have a stretch of road that's like maybe the first mile of a lot of my rides that I always try and check myself and I make sure like, okay, I'm not trying to throw down 300 watts right now. I need to refrain from just going too hard. And I think a lot of people have that stretch of road they're thinking of or that part of a trail. Just make sure that you've decided, okay, I'm really not going to turn up the heat until this point. And during that warm up is your time to do this last shakeout. Go through these steps again. Make sure you're taking some deep breaths. Do a posture check. You know, are you relaxing in your shoulders? Are you keeping some tension through your core? Like these are all things that can help you just feel more ready to ride. So make sure, extend your warm up, take the pressure off. And I promise you by the time you breathe and do that posture check, make sure you're relaxed. You start doing those last minute little shakeouts. You're going to get to that point where you're like, okay, am I going to actually go hard at this point? Am I going to stick to my plan or am I going to just modify and more often than not, you will probably do what you originally intended on or hope to do. There still might be a chance where you don't feel up to it and you modify your ride and you go shorter and you just keep that intensity low. And I promise you, embrace that day as a rest day and congratulate yourself from, for getting out there and ingraining that habit because you deserve it. You really do. You are not, I think, a lesser version of yourself for not doing that workout, I think you're an even better version of yourself for getting out when you didn't feel good and you didn't feel like it because most people won't. So keep that in your in your head. That's not me trying to be like easy on you. That's just reality. Now, like I said, I think you're going to feel better than you expected and either get done what you intended on or you might even do more than you had thought. You know, when I rolled out on that ride specifically, I gave myself, I actually headed into the valley, which I never do. If you go look at my Strava, I go directly to the hills almost always because I like riding hills, but I went the opposite direction into the valley just so I could start with flatter roads to try and control my pace more on. And I even got lucky with 
with a little bit of a tailwind, very slight, but on a very long stretch of road. And it just made me feel that much better. So maybe you'll get blessed and blessed in that sense where you have this extra little advantage that helps out. We all know how a tailwind at the beginning of ride makes you feel like a legend. And then you hit the turnaround point and realize that you're about to be in a lot of pain and misery. <laughs> yes. So the worst. So yeah, little things like that can happen. But at least at this point, you can be like, okay, uh, or I should go back to my, my ride. I was saying I went out with that intention. I specifically chose an easier start to my ride and did literally 15 minutes in, I was starting to pick up the pace and I felt freaking good. And then I just decided to absolutely hammer and I got my highest average speed I ever have on a road ride. And I'm gonna just throw it out there right now. You guys, I averaged over 22 miles an hour and I still had 1700 feet of climbing in it. Come on now. That was, I was so stoked. I didn't take any breaks, but literally it was a elapsed time of two hours and five minutes. It was a moving time of two hours and one minute. So it was just like stoplights. I was cramming food and I just felt stoked. I was getting arrow on my bike. I was focusing on my pedal stroke, my breathing, and it was also really freaking cold. So for us Californians, it was like 50 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> which I know Hello. people are going to hate me for saying, I know, right? But I wore slightly, I was like slightly undergeared. So like even getting through that, I kind of felt stoked that I was just out there doing it. So, you know, the goal isn't to pump myself up, but the goal is to really tell you that I ended up having a really standout ride for myself. And it came just shortly after feeling like I'm just going to fall asleep. And all those steps that we just talked about are the reason how I was able to get to that point. And like, I, I'm not making any promises. You're not always going to get there, but more often than not that you will. And the more that you do it, the easier all of this process is going to be to roll through. It, you're going to trust yourself and you're going to believe that you can get to that point because you've done it over and over and over again. If you never let yourself get there and find out, you're never going to build up this belief. That's great. I like it. Thank you. That was a like short and precise rant for you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. That's all good. <laughs> yeah. And I think like one thing I want to add is like that, I mean, like you were saying, everybody's got to be proud of those moments. Like once you're on your bike, reflect a little bit on like everything you got done, even though you didn't really want to. And like, you probably feel a little better now that you're on your bike. So reflect and appreciate yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. You're going to jump into rapid fire, Derek. Yeah. You feel super crunched for time. Give me your lowest bar workout. Like anybody in a pinch can remember it in the gym. If they're listening right now. Push-ups. That's it. Push-ups. Like like literally push-ups. So today's a strength workout and I have this beautiful programmed workout that I'm going to use from dialedhealth.com. But you know what? That workout normally takes me 45 minutes and I literally, literally have 15 minutes. Here's exactly what you can do. You can do, okay, okay let's make it a little bit. Can we make it a little bit better? Because like push-ups is the first thing that That's comes boring. to mind. It's bare minimum. Right. So let's just say my goal is a total body strength session today with some mobility included. I have 15 minutes. You have to think upper body, lower body, and then core and mobility, okay? So like you can mix core and mobility together. And so think of it this way. I can set a timer for 15 minutes and I can take as minimal rest breaks as possible and go from these three movements. I'm going to pick a core and mobility movement to start, which is kind of a, it's sort of a warm up transition. It's not ideal, but again, I can say I'm going to do five runner stretches on each side. This works my core and it stretches my body and it kind of gets me prepped. So for anyone who doesn't know what a runner stretch is, it's a deep lunge, almost a yoga position where you have both hands on the ground, you reach up toward the ceiling and stretch, you transition your feet through a plank, and then you do it on the opposite side. Now from there, you can go straight into push-ups because you're already on the ground. These transition times, by the way, are what make or break really good workouts. 
if you'll notice through dialed health programming, and this is something you learn as a trainer, is that when you have someone constantly transitioning from the ground to standing back to the ground on their butt, on their stomach, it makes a workout more uncomfortable than it needs to be. And it's not really efficient. So think, I'm already on the ground doing these runner stretches. I can go straight into a set of pushups. Now, I'd recommend, for instance, if you can do 10 perfect pushups, only do like six or seven. If you can do 20, only do like 15 because your goal is going to be to ha not have much rest time and to keep this thing moving because the clock's ticking. Now, after that, you're going to stand up and simply do some air squats or you're going to do some plyo jumps or you're going to do, I don't know, maybe some single leg or some opposite toe touches where you want to activate your legs, but you don't want to burn them out. So now you have core and mobility, you have upper body, also a little core with the push-ups, and then you have your lower body. You have a rep count that's going to be slightly below your max so you can minimize the rest time, and hopefully that mobility kind of core movement is easy enough to where it is kind of recovery as the clock starts to tick. So that's my 15-minute lowest bar workout, and it's something like I've very much done before. You do runner stretches, push-ups, air squats, or plyo jumps, and you just keep it rolling. Nice. I like how you gave the option and like reminded everybody like upper body, lower body, and then your core mobility like that. You can remember that in the gym, guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have to mention, like I said, with the pre-ride warm-up, these are the types of workouts that we want to make even more accessible to Dial fan members. Because even though some of the guided workouts are like 25 minutes, I realize like sometimes really people don't have 25 minutes and they are going to be better. This does not go against our philosophy to provide a 10-minute workout. And it's not going to make promises. This isn't the workout that's going to make you stronger, but it's going to keep you consistent and keep you on track. So those are types of like pieces of content that we want to have for Dialed Fan members in the future. They've been requested. And it's it's why even some Dialed Fan members who pay for the website will go to my Instagram for a quick workout sometimes. And that's the feedback I got. And I realized that for one shouldn't be happening. So we need to provide this on the website. So again, something that we've talked about that we are planning on doing in the very near future. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, love it. Okay, next question is, you wake up hungover for a group ride. What's the game plan? What's your like quick <laughs> answers? What are you going to do? No rabbit hole, Derek. Okay, I wake up. I splash warm water on my face. I take three, maybe four Advil or Tylenol, ibuprofen maybe. I'm going to drink a lot of water, maybe even more than normal, at least two cups of water. And I'm going to make sure I have that coffee on hand and get some food in my system. So it's all going to be about nutrition because that's the quickest thing that's going to turn yourself around with the exception of some movement. So get the pain meds in, get the anti-inflammation stuff in your body, <laughs> aka the uh, medication, and then hit your water, get your caffeine, and get a solid base of food in your stomach to just try and absorb some of that actual toxin out of your body. And that's the first thing I'm doing. That's all you can do. A lot of people swear with a greasy egg sandwich. Some people say, you know, dry carbs only. What is your like go-to hangover meal? Oh, that's so true. It's tough because the greasy food is legit. <laughs> and But then again, you're about to go ride. So you can't go have yeah. some spicy chorizo breakfast burrito. Or now you're hungover and you have acid reflux on your ride. <laughs> so And like I love spicy food, but dude, I can't eat it before rides. So it is kind of a balance. To be honest, if you could have my perfect food would be some kind of an egg scramble with maybe like a turkey sausage. So you get a little bit of that hardiness in there and some cheese or you get some potatoes in there, maybe add a little cheese and have your eggs. That would be really good because it is hearty and you kind of get that grease fix, but it's not going to make you feel that bad. 
good idea. I love that idea of the turkey sausage and some cheese. Yeah, yeah. Turkey sausage really cures some cravings when you want that stuff, for sure. And and I'm not against regular sausage, by the way. I have to point that out. But the turkey sausage is going to sit better in your system for the ride, the post ride. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably not as heavy, probably, than like pork sausage anyways. I'm going to go opposite side of the spectrum than what we talked about this whole podcast on this question. Workouts are feeling stale and you're feeling unmotivated. It's because you're not feeling overtrained, but almost like you could handle more. So like maybe someone's doing our programming and wants a little more, like their volume isn't as high on the bike. What do you tell them to do? Okay, so I'm in that mindset where it's like this quick decision. So if it's not really a quick decision, like you have a second to kind of think about this. I think identifying what the real problem is and you knowing that, okay, this is because I don't feel challenged. That's the first step. You got to figure out what's really going on. And if it's like you don't feel challenged, go sign up for a race or commit to doing some type of a ride, like the vert challenge that feels genuinely beyond your capabilities. Like go put pressure on yourself right now, because I, t- I promise you, you will feel different immediately because now the reality sets in that you have to do the real work. And if you don't do it, now you're going to have some repercussions that aren't too positive because you have this inset goal, you have this race, whatever it is. So you making that quick decision, and it's got to be tough, you guys. I'm telling you, this can't be something you could go do that day. It'd have to be something you literally feel like you need to prep for, either physically or there's got to be some organization of your calendar. Like This has to be a very different thing than your norm to go out and do. And go go get it done. Go set a goal if it's going to be like a weightlifting goal. I mean, most people are going to choose something for riding, but make that goal, set your timeline, make the timeline somewhat aggressive. That's going to mean you have to start that day prepping for it. And I promise you, you're going to feel differently. And that that is from experience, by the way. Yeah. I haven't signed up for anything for a very long time. So maybe I need to do that. There you go. Yeah, it makes it real. But then it's scary and hard. There you go. So that's the thing, though, too, is like it is scary and hard, but that's the pressure that you need if all of a sudden you want things to feel real. Like if you want your training to feel like it's having impact, go put yourself in a position where you feel scared to not have the training anymore. Like all of a sudden you're going to realize like, wow, thank God I did that workout. Thank God I'm sticking to my training plan. Maybe I should ramp it up. Okay, here's how I can tweak it. Now I'm doing more. Now I'm pushing myself and I have to or I'm not going to literally get this done. I'll tell you guys right now, there's a couple things I'm doing next year. Cross country racing is making me feel that way. And then also what I'm going to do for the vert challenge next year. Both of those things, I'd say they kind of support each other. Not really that well. It's sort of different energy systems, but, but still both of them are making me feel very accountable for my training right now, which is great because I know the feeling that Amber has mentioned where you're not really being pushed and that's what's making you unmotivated. So nice call out. I'm going to make you real mad with this question. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> yeah. If your sleep has not been quality, like you're restless or interrupted, not by babies, <laughs> but you know you need to like improve your sleep, outside sources, not an issue. What's your go-to to make yourself sleep a little better? Oh my gosh. I love this one. Okay. So I hate it, but I love it. I kind of, I kid you not, Amber. So I think I'm going to commit to really getting more sleep now that the babies are starting to sleep. I've gotten a couple eight hour nights recently because the baby slept and I feel like a different person. The way I feel recovered from workouts, it really makes me excited just for 
a lot of potential in areas, but at the same time, it's like not waking up at five and getting up at six 30 is a hard thing for me to do because I don't feel like I'm living up to my potential. But then it's like, how does the sleep impact me? It's been so long since I've had good sleep. These are the, the weird mental places I go about it. But what I'll tell you, and this is one thing that's been a positive from my lack of sleep volume is the quality. I train so freaking hard and I push myself in work and I'm accountable for my time all day. When I get the opportunity to sleep, there's nothing that's going to stop me. I'm telling you, I've had some stressful things happen this year and the last two years, very stressful. (laughs) And there's no night that I lost sleep over it because I'm so tired. Genuinely. I personally believe most people's sleeping problems, a lot of it is, is a mental health thing. That's very real, but a lot of it comes from people not moving their bodies enough and not putting out enough effort throughout the rest of their life and the rest of their day. They're not living up to their potential. If you are not sleeping, you need to ask yourself, am I pushing workouts? Am I working out up to six days a week? You don't have to get crazy extreme, but it's like, am I pushing my body? Do I feel physically tired? If sleep is that much of a problem, go get physically tired. And I promise you, when you lay down, you're going to be able to relax a lot more. That bed is going to feel way better than it normally does. Same thing with stress. I mean, there's a point where stress is stress. You know, workout stress is more stress on your body that's already stressed from, you know, the mind and the body are connected. You don't want to just dump more stress on your body. But there's a point where we've all had the feeling where you go out for your ride really stressed and you come back at peace because you figured it out. And now you're too tired to care about that thing. I mean, I have had that feeling in particular a lot where I'm all stressed and worked up about something stupid. And I come back so tired physically that I'm like, who freaking cares? Who cares? You know what I mean? So those things are, I think, from a very like worldly perspective, what you can do, go train your face off, go put out everything you have in your actual life, and you're not going to be so restless when you sleep. Oh, but I will say, if you have very like crazy muscle like fatigue, uh, like almost where you feel that restlessness in your muscles, like RLS type symptoms, it's like you feel tight and achy while you're laying down and that's keeping you up, get on a foam roller every single day. That will make such a difference. Start stretching your body. So a lot of it comes back to physical. Those things will change a lot. And I stand by what I said earlier this year about foam rolling being a huge cure for cramping on the bikes. And I've had multiple people since that podcast say, since I started foam rolling every day, I have not cramped on the bike. So anyways, I think all that's kind of related. Say it louder for Quincy in the back. Quincy, get on your foam roller. (laughs) Stop cramping. He's He cramps. He's been really struggling with the cramping. So I guess he needed that message. I'm sure he's got to get on that foam roller. Perfect. (laughs) Okay. Your riding buddies are making tons of gains and you're feeling like training isn't worth your time. How can you refocus and realign, but try to make it quick? I would first evaluate what you feel like they're doing better than you is and be honest about it. Don't shy away from it. If you feel like your friend is excelling in this area, try and understand it. Ask yourself, you know, why they're excelling when you may not be, because when you're more honest with your own riding that way, with your own fitness level, you're just going to get better from it. You being like, oh, like, you know, they're getting good and I'm not like blah, blah, blah. Like, I know how that's defeating. Like, I experienced this from somebody when I was downhill racing. It was a friend who I met that was kind of new to riding and literally just got way faster than me and started beating me at races within like a year and a half, got the sponsorship that I wanted. And 
really all of a sudden I had to realize I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's such a better rider than me. Like, where did that come from? Like, it was very defeating at the time I, I was 18 years old. I wasn't mature enough to look at it for what it was. Instead of asking myself, what is this guy doing? I need to learn from this guy. I literally pouted kind of, which is what it sounds like you're suggesting. And like, I kind of was just like, boo hoo, like, you know, I'm not good enough or I'm actually better than him and he's getting lucky. Like I had all of these thoughts. And so when you're honest about where you're at, what they're doing better, try and learn, try and learn from them. What else are you going to do? When you compare yourself, you have to realize that I don't care what it is. There's somebody better at that thing than you are. There's someone better looking. There's someone more talented. There's someone with more money. There's someone with a happier marriage. There's someone with more successful children. There's someone with who sleep better at night, who ride their whatever bike better. It it never ends. You will never find a point where someone is better than you. And I, I promise you, if you do, if you feel like you're the best, like it's you're going to fall off really quick. Like there's always going to be that person. And really think about that. You know, this is your friend, but also there's thousands of other people that are also better than me at this thing. So I need to redirect my focus and energy off of this person being better than me and try and learn from them and realize there's a lot of people better than me. And it just happens that this person's in my like vicinity or something. So that's all you can do. I, I've been through that. It's very, it's a bummer, but gosh, yeah. What, what else do you do besides learn from them? You know? Set your ego aside. Get over yourself. Yeah. Admittedly, these were not the most rapid fiery, rapid fire questions, but Low key, Derek sent me this info like 15 minutes before we were supposed to record. Whoa. So I had to come up with whoa, stuff whoa, whoa. real fast. So these were kind of wordy, but it's because Nobody I'm a wordy person. Nobody needs to know. Nobody needs to know that. They were great <laughs> questions. You could have told them you had it prepped for days. They would have believed you. Come on, Amber. <laughs> those were wordy questions. I yeah. feel like those were not rapid fire questions. Quincy's going to give me crap. Those were not rapid fire questions. They need to be one or two word answers. <laughs> yeah. He's going to give me crap. true rapid fire, but I give you props, Amber, because it's always fun to have these things. And really, like I always say, I feel like you speak for the people because you are a true Dialed Fan member. And a lot of the questions I know that you come from you specifically are things that other people are wondering as well. So you nailed it, dude. I'm going to flip I'm some positivity back show. on you, even though you called me yeah. out. All right, rolling into our next segment, we have member questions. And our first question comes from my husband friend at Q underscore Simon underscore 77. And I did have to look to confirm that because I couldn't remember what my own husband's Instagram handle was. Can you believe that? (laughs) (laughs) But his question is, what is your top bucket list ride or event for the 2022 year? Oh, that's a great question. So we've been working on our schedule for the upcoming year quite a bit now. And I think it's going to be the DH Vert Challenge, to be honest. That's the thing that is going to push me. I don't want to say it's going to push me the most, but that is something I'm looking at that's going to be very exciting and a huge accomplishment. And so I can't spill the beans on really what we're doing so far, but I will say the reality of trying to get done what I want to get done is going to mean that it's going to be probably the bucket list thing that I do for next year. Uh, But I'll tell you in the past. Okay, a couple of things. So in 2020, I had my ultimate bucket list trip scheduled and most like halfway paid for and it was already going to happen. So I had a heli drop in 
Retallic Lodge in Canada that was like, I've always wanted to have a heli drop for my mountain bike. And we booked the trip. You stay at this lodge for three days. One of the days you get a heli drop with like a 6,000 foot descent. And it's incredible. The trails look insane. There's a whole article on Pink Bike about it with this video. You got to watch it. So just look up Retallic Lodge. But you stay at this place, they feed you. It's an awesome lodge. They have shuttle rides and then it's like 400 foot or 4,000 foot descents uh, daily after that. And you basically just ride and stay at this lodge and get a heli drop for this weekend in Canada. Up until that point was literally my bucket list trip. And then it got canceled. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure I didn't get my money back, but that's okay. Because I mean, if that helps that business succeed in the future, you know, that's the least I can do because we were all struggling at that time. So that was like the biggest bucket list trip I've ever had. And admittedly, I have not thought of another bucket list trip since. You know, there's so many reasons why trying to schedule a trip to that extent isn't a good idea right now. And I haven't even let my mindset go there. So I'll tell you the DH Vert Challenge is going to be the biggest thing I do next year for sure. But should we just tell them, Amber, Unbound is we're probably going to have a proper setup at Unbound and do a proper activation. I, you know, we need to confirm things before we keep talking about stuff, but I get excited and there's going to be a lot of XC racing on my side personally, but we're also going to do some major gravel events and we got to get to the homeland of Amber Simon and Quincy Simon and go check out Unbound. And if we could have a proper dialed health booth and activation at the same time, we have some projects with LEL. Do we go to BWR and hit some more gravel? I don't know. We're trying to figure it out right now. Yeah, you got to come to a Kansas and get some of that Midwest hospitality, you know? Oh, I'll be coming for it. Free room, and I need some really good barbecue. I, I, at some point, Uh-oh. I'm going to need really good barbecue. Is that not, I mean, that's your, that's Kansas, right? Kansas well, is good barbecue, barbecue is like right? Kansas City. Kansas City is good barbecue, but I do know good barbecue around here. So I'm pretty sure I can make that happen. Well, if someone's going to Unbound, let's just let's just throw this out there. If someone's going to Unbound next year, then what would you recommend the type of food that they need to get at some point? Like maybe just post-race, they're not worried about heartburn. <laughs> hmm, you're really springing that on me. I mean, like honestly, in the Midwest, the like the thing everybody loves is like the hole in wall, like diners and burgers and you know, they killed the cow around the corner kind of situation. A couple of my girlfriends are trying to talk me into RPI right now, which is Rebecca's private Idaho. And yeah. I'm speaking that into existence because I, like that. I need to pull the that trigger cool. so bad. I need to do it. It does. And I need to have like a big group of girls that are growing and it'd be really fun. Yeah. But it'd be, be really, really cool. hard. Hey. <laughs> so it goes anyways, back to our motivation. Nobody asked me for mine. I know. I need to sign up. I haven't signed up for a race in literally years. I think I did one local race in the last year. So probably need to get on the ball on some inspiring things to do. There you go. Next question is, do you have any expectations going into your cross-country racing and it being a new discipline for you? Like, what are your expectations for yourself? Oh, yeah. If I've thought about that, I think for one, I have to just be honest and people need to know that like, I'm really excited about doing cross-country racing and experiencing all of it. I think it's going to bring great value to Dialed Health through content, through me just living the product, leading from the front, really doing what all of our members are doing. Like That's the purpose of it. And going out specifically for a result genuinely is not my goal. Now, the better I do, the probably the more legitimacy it's going to add to even what I say. I've experienced that through some good results in enduro racing this year and past stuff that I've done. So I do know that there's a correlation to it. 
I really hope that I can compete. I'll be honest, I think locally, I'll have a good chance to compete for the podium in our local XC races and in like the open division or wouldn't even really call it pro. It's just so local, you know, but I think I'll have a good chance to compete for the podiums there. And other than that, I have no idea. You know, it's crazy, but I've ridden with, you know, a world tour pro and realized how much freaking stronger they are than me. I've ridden with world championship downhill racers and the top guys in enduro racing. Like I have ridden behind them and watched them and talked to them and been around them. And like, I really understand the difference in what I can do. And I haven't experienced that firsthand yet on the cross country bike, but I want to, because I, it's always just really cool. And talk about, you know, someone being just better than you at something and learning from them when you can fully accept how much better they are. And you are kind of excited about it in a weird way. The amount that you could soak up and learn from them is even greater. So if I get a chance to ride with some of our top guys in the nation this year, at some point, even if it's just for a fun ride, I mean, I talk to them pretty frequently, so I hope that's a possibility. So I'll tell you expectations. I think I can compete for the podium, if not the win locally. Again, never done. I've, I've done one XC race in the past. I've done some four cross racing in the past. Does, I mean, does anyone listening to this podcast even know what four cross, do you know what four cross racing is Amber? No, that should show you how like deep in the gravity culture I've been in, you know, since the early 2000s, but it, don't worry about it. But um, basically <laughs> I've done some bar to bar racing, but I don't have tactics. I don't know strategy. I'm kind of comparing myself off of like Strava times and just what people are telling me. So I don't, I don't really know. We'll see. But I think regardless, it's going to be fun. I really have committed to this racing for the rest of my life. And I promise you guys, because this is not what I'm trying to do, it's going to be fun. I am not going to let racing stress me out ever again. I spent way too many years like that. If you don't know, I've been racing since I was 14 years old. I'm 30 years old now. I've had very small blocks of time, you know, where I didn't race for years at a time, but I've done so much racing, hundreds and hundreds of gravity races on my mountain bike and other styles of racing in between. So I spent so much time with anxiety over it and the stress and the, the fear and all that. And I am not going through that again. So I committed to that this year, did some big races and had some of the best results ever actually, and rode my best and actually experienced and enjoyed the event. And gosh, it sounds corny, but I'm telling you guys, I'm not for a second going to let racing stress me out this year. I, it's purely all bonus for dialed health. And I'm so grateful that it's even connected. The fact I get to go race and that it gets to support my business, which is my ultimate goal, is being the the owner of Dialed Health, the CEO of Dialed Health. That what more of a win could you ask for? So that's like literally my mindset. I'm actually happy Quincy asked me that, and I got to actually you know talk about it. But I am competitive. It doesn't mean I'm not going to go do my best. And the reason I'm excited about XC racing is I've really realized that I love to go smash my face off on the bike. Like I just love to go out and go hard. And when I'm with friends, it, it's so much easier for me to crank it up because of that competitive side. And I like to be pushed and I like when people drop me because it just makes me angry and I like makes me want to train. It's that fuel. So like it feels like the most natural thing to go and do now. And I'm, I'm looking forward to enjoying it. You know, it was a while back and you'd mentioned like before you'd even started doing cross country, but you were like starting to like ride up to going down instead of like taking a lift. And you're like, I just really love mm. to pedal. And I'm like, this guy's going to do cross country soon. Like I can just feel it. I could feel it coming <laughs> yeah. then. I just knew at some point you would find it. And I think you're going to like really enjoy it. I really do. I've, I know I've really found that I enjoy it. So yeah, I've really enjoyed just riding it. The bikes are sick for sure. Yes. 
What is the most embarrassing or funny thing that's ever happened to you on the trail with you and your buddies? For example, Quincy crashed himself and a buddy on a gravel ride because he was eating going downhill like a Nimrod. And so we call it the snack accident every time we can bring it up and it's embarrassing for him. But, you know, we shame him for that. So, like, <laughs> is there a funny thing? Kind of like a Spencer Rathcamp, a crazy, a crazy thing, the Range Rover in the middle of the trail. What's oh, the that was thing nuts. That's happened to you on the trail. Yeah. Oh, craziest thing that's happened to me on the trail? Gosh, that's such a good yeah, question. Or like embarrassing. I had thought, I, I think I mentioned on the podcast that one time I was on a downhill racetrack. And this is the first thing that always comes up because it was just genuinely embarrassing. There was a road gap and I hadn't seen it yet. And I came up to it and I rolled down the backside of it because you could roll through it or you could jump it. And as I rolled down, instead of pulling to the side of the trail, I came to a stop in the middle of the trail. And before I was even stopped, I was getting blown off my bike because someone jumped the road gap and their front wheel hit me directly in the back. They went over oh, the bars. No. I got blown off my bike. It was like terrifying and all that stuff. And what made it so embarrassing was when I realized who it was. And it was <laughs> it was this person that was riding for a team that I had just signed for. And I was really just trying to like get to know these guys and kind of earn their respect and just become friends and just get more involved in the brand. And this was someone who was like deep in the brand that barely knew me. And that was the guy that I caused to crash. And when that whole thing happened, besides the insanity of like how that crash happened and the fact that neither of us got hurt, it was so embarrassing because it was like the last person on that mountain I'd wanted that to be. That would be for sure. Oh, I'll tell you another time. This was way back when I'd first started racing downhill. I was starting to win a lot of the local expert. I was winning expert races under 18, but I was like 16 at the time. And so we had these local pros come into town to train with Sam Hill's coach, Scott Sharples. And I coached with him a little bit too. If anyone knows who Scott Sharples is listening to this, you are an, a downhill OG, triple OG, because he was actually a, a downhill racer himself. He raced like kamikaze. He was like one of the first downhill racers. And so Scott Sharples was training Sam Hill, brought him up, came over and lived near my hometown. So a lot of the Aussies came over. So it was Nathan Rennie, it was Bryn Atkinson, and it was this dude, Emil Cavalier, who at the time was the junior world champion. So these guys were the big Aussie downhill racers. Nathan Rennie at the time, uh, this was like 2007. So he's like Red Bull sponsored athlete. He was the, I think third in the world from the previous year at that point. I think he might've won the overall that year. It was right before Sam Hill started winning everything. So maybe it was 2006 or 2005. Anyways, I got to go ride with them and show them my local trails. And I was so excited to just ride as fast as I can and like prove myself that we were coming down this neighborhood street basically into the start of the trailhead and it was like this high speed you come in at like 30 plus miles an hour into this trail and there was a car in front of us and instead of thinking like a smart adult or a smart person in general and being like oh there's a car in front of us I don't know what driveway he's turning into I should probably just slow down and stay behind him I'm like sprinting down this hill so last minute the car turns and just misses my back wheel as I blow past it and I, sh I should have just basically t-boned the car and the guys behind me were breaking like they should have been. And I think they were looking at me like I was a psychopath because I was. And the guy in the truck freaked out. The dudes behind me looked at me like I was an idiot. And I just remember feeling like an absolute idiot because I almost caused this like horrendous accident to myself and to all these people. So that was another time. So embarrassing. I still think about that. And that was freaking 15 years ago. Crap happens, man. Like I've had that kind of stuff happen even on gravel. And it's not even like 
you'd think that that stuff wouldn't happen, but it does. It happens everywhere to everyone. It does, yeah. Okay, last one of Quincy's questions. And I think it's like the best question, honestly. And he's asking because he does this. So he wants everybody else to hear this hot tip. How often do you incorporate form or technique into your workout or rides? For example, do you go out for a lower intensity ride and work on cornering, posture, cadence, and weight training? Do you focus on the correct movement and engagement and use less weight? And do you think this is something that should be touched up regularly? That's such a good question. So let's start with the gym workouts because it's a little more simple. I think people would be surprised at how much I pay attention to my own form still. I have to remind myself to do a perfect hip hinge, to brace my core, to engage my glutes, to pack my shoulders. I have to posterior tilt. I have to remind myself to do all of this engagement before most lifts. In fact, a lot of times, like for a trap bar deadlift, for example, I'll get in the position, I get weight on the bar, and then I have this moment where I have to quote unquote set myself. And for me, that's bracing, that's pulling on the bar, it's retracting my shoulders, it's bracing my core, all the things that I just mentioned. And I go through that in my head before I do these lifts, especially heavy ones. And it's so frequent where I'll catch myself because I film myself so much, maybe with my form not quite right. And it's a great learning tool for me to go back and maybe perfect it. So that is a tip that you can use. I do have people actually send me clips of them working out and being like, hey, how is my deadlift? And so it's cool for me to be able to coach people that way. But I people would be surprised as ingrained as it is, as far as my workouts go with form, and I do have really good form. I know that very safe form. I constantly remind myself and not in a way where I go crazy, but in a way where it's almost like I built the habit of reminding myself and that's why my form's almost always good. So I'd recommend people build that habit, check in with yourself. Are my shoulders packed? Do I have torque in my hips? Like, is there tension in my core? Am I bracing? Like, those are all things that are really important. When I go on the bike, now I used to practice bike skills more specifically than I do now. Like I used to do cone drills and set them up in on gravel roads, on hills, in parking lots. That's super valuable. If you don't know what a cone drill is, look, I think Braden Bringhurst has some videos online. Finn Isles does on YouTube about corner drills. Getting some athletic cones and doing that for cornering specifically is one of the most beneficial things you can do. I remember like racing slalom after I had done those practices, which I learned from Scott Sharples, that same coach I was talking about earlier, was one of the biggest game changers. And he trained Sam Hill, who was really known, and Bryn Atkinson, some of the best corners in the world. And they basically came up with his coaching doing cone drills. So keep that in mind. There are those things that you can do. You can go to skills class classes. What's really interesting now is I've been so focused on pedaling and I've done just enough skills work to kind of keep my skills ready, but I haven't really improved skill-wise in that like that much in the last few years to be honest. Like all these bike skills I have are from the years of racing downhill and just focusing on bike skills. And I'm kind of doing the opposite now, but I use them enough to where they stay fresh. And I'll tell you when I do film content, that becomes like the best training and skills refresher or practice that I do. Because if I'm going to do a cool thing, a content, I'm going to be hitting a big jump. I'm going to be riding a manual or a wheelie. I'm going to be doing a stoppy or some corner. There's going to be something like that. And typically you have to do multiple takes and it really causes me to like refine my skills. So I've noticed that just filming content has become my skills practice in general. So other than that, it's all been fitness based, focused on pacing, power output, nutrition, those types of things. I will tell you though, one thing I'm going to do, I'm actually going to go ride my cross country 
cross-country bike after this. And I, I've never practiced starts for a cross-country race. And I'm going to go practice starts, actually. I want to go figure out what gear I need to be in. I want to figure out what it feels like clipping in, in that situation, how fast I can clip in, how consistently I can do it. And although I clip in and do hard efforts all the time, every time I ride my bike, I've never done it from a standstill stop like that. And I think that's something I want to practice before I start racing. So I will be doing that before I start. That is super wise because I did my first cross-country race this winter, or well, I guess it was spring, and I wasn't in the wrong gear, but I wasn't in, I wasn't in the exact right gear. And I was like, <laughs> right. I could have got around a lot of people before this even started if I had just done that right. So that's a nice thought. When you said you have to do multiple takes on content, that made me feel a lot better because every time Quincy gets his phone out to like take a little video of me doing a techie area, I immediately like fail and fail and fail. It's like I get gun shy <laughs> and yeah. I can't like do the thing. And so maybe I need to do that more because like sessioning, it does the same thing to me. I have to like just approach the same section on the trail a million times and eventually I get it rather than like trying to session through it because like sessioning gets in my head so fast, just like having a video taken. I don't I don't know why, but maybe I just need to do the baptism by fire situation like you did with me in gravel and just like figure it out. <laughs> no, that it's cool. Just film all of them. You never know which one's going to be the best. And I think you really have to, you're going to look the best if you're just focused on your riding. If any part of you is like thinking about how you look while you're doing it, you're not going to ride as well. You have to be 100% focused on just riding. So uh, yeah. We're moving on to at Luca underscore Cometti. They ask, how hard should I go on an exercise in the workout? Is it always super heavy? Are there any guidelines to follow? This was an awesome question. And I actually inserted this question from a phone call I had with Luca. So I have a confession to make there. But we were talking about it on the phone. Luca is legendary SoCal shredder, rides a lot of slalom, a lot of downhill. And he was asking me basically there right now, there's no guidelines of intensity really, or like strain score or anything like that for individual workouts. So this is something we've talked about. It's like, how do we rate the workout intensity wise and give people a better idea of how difficult it's going to be? And also how do we tell people what weight to use in a way? Cause a lot of people ask that. So he's almost asking like, if you have a set of five reps, does it mean that you are going as heavy as you can for that five reps every single time? Or if you have a set of 10 reps, are you going as heavy as you can for those 10 reps every single time? And I was like, wow, those are really good questions where they're all things that we've considered of how do we implement, but it's also like, how do we guide people through that with each individual workout and every movement, you know? So here's a rule of thumb, I would say, if you're kind of questioning the intensity, you should be doing the workout movements that you have. So as far as total strain of workouts, that's something we need to figure out in the future. But when it comes to individual movements, Here's what I would say. In general, you want the last few reps to be tough. In general, you if you have a set that's 12 reps for a given exercise and you could do 15 and maybe even 16 or 17 at that weight, you are definitely going too light. Now, you don't want to get to the point where you're maxing out and losing form by the 11th rep and that 12th rep is just kind of not quality. You want to stop yourself at a technical max before that, but it's also likely that you're going to leave one or two reps sort of in the tank. There is that sweet spot in there that you will gain feel of the more experienced you are in the gym. So if it says 12 reps, make sure 10, 11, 12 are tough. Maybe you could squeeze out 13 or 14, but you certainly can't do 15. That is probably the perfect weight. Same thing. Once you go lower in the reps, you're going to have to increase the weight 
to get the desired response you're going for from it. So if you're doing a back squat at five reps, it should certainly be a heavier weight than you did at 12 reps. Now, these lower rep schemes is where you're really going to want to consider adding more of a prep phase into your workout. So here is another rule you can use. So you have that general rule, make the last few reps tough. Now, if you want to give yourself some extra prep, and a thing I do with a lot of my workouts is like, if I have, for instance, let's just say a shoulder press. Now, typically a 10 rep shoulder press for me is going to be around like 35 pounds. Now, most likely, even after my warm up, I wouldn't start with 35 pounds. And I bring up shoulders specifically because this is an area I've had injuries. I have a torn rotator cuff still. I have these things I look out for. So a lot of times I'll start with like a 25 pound kettlebell or a, a 30 pound dumbbell or something slightly lower than what my real true weight is. And I do that for the first round and it almost becomes this like final prep. So you basically, if you look at this and on the extreme level, you have like power lifters who do all of their warm ups and then they do, they have like prep sets and then they have working sets. They might still be doing prep sets of squats that are heavy before they get into their real working set. Because if you're a power lifter and you could squat, let's just say 500 pounds for three reps or whatever, you don't warm up and get your body ready and then put you know, 500 pounds on the bars for your three reps or, you know, 450 on for your five reps or whatever it may be, like you're probably still going to need to work up to that more gradually, get your body more activated and ready to take on that load. So you're going to be like, I'm going to do a couple squats at 135 with one plate and then I'm going up to 225, you know, and then maybe I'll work my way up and do my last prep set at 400 pounds before I go to my true weight and the actual working sets, which is 450 pounds for five reps. Just for example, that's an example of how they would do it. So they may have done eight sets, but only four of them were actual working sets. And then a lot of times they'll do back off sets too, where they decrease the weight and get a lighter load instead of going from their heaviest set of the day to just like done. They'll do like a back off set to kind of get some blood flow going. And it sort of is that reverse process of getting into the rest of your workout. So you can do that on a way smaller level, like I mentioned with your first round of any workout. So again, if this is a back squat and you know that let's just say 200 pounds is ideal for five reps for you, Maybe the first set you do is going to be at 150 and then the next two sets or next three sets are going to be the actual weight, which is 200 pounds that you want. That is a good way to get your heavier workouts in, hit the perfect rep scheme that you want, and also not strain your body too much. You'll feel more prepped. Maybe you do get less working sets in, quote unquote, but long term, it's probably going to feel a little bit better. So that's a good rule of thumb. I would say last few reps should be heavy. If you want to do an additional prep by backing off the weight on your first round through a circuit, great idea. Up next, we have announcements, not just for our Dialed Fam members, but also for our general Instagram followers and podcast listeners, right? We have, most important, I think, is we have a new partnership. And you've mentioned it a little bit before, but I think we have some more exciting additions to that announcement. Yeah, so we do have a huge partnership announcement. This is actually a personal ambassadorship that I'm taking on. And the goal of it is to really benefit the Dialed Fam. And I've been very clear about that to this new partner. And I'm excited to kind of integrate our communities because the brand culture of this company is the biggest seller. I mean, the product is incredible. Of course, that has to meet the standard and the needs that we have as the Dialed Fam. But brand culture is so on par. I'm gonna give you a little hint. Their motto is go one more. 
Do you guys know what brand this is? Do you follow them? It's Bear Performance Nutrition. Now, if you don't follow Bear Performance Nutrition, you might have heard of Nick Bear, the CEO, the owner, the founder. He has a huge following online and a lot of content that's more recently involved in the endurance community. He's been doing some ultra running. He's been doing triathlons. He comes from the military. There's a lot of weightlifting background. And they make products that not only support your general health and well-being, but also support the performance on the endurance side that we're looking for, which finding both of those things is really hard to do with brands. And a lot of times when you do find those things with brands, they don't have the culture to back it up because there, of course, are people that make protein and uh, vitamin, you know, greens powders and electrolytes and whatever, like all these products that we want. But if the brand is just kind of blah, I don't think it's a really good fit for us. And to be honest, you guys, I've turned down a lot of partnerships in the last six months for a couple of reasons. For one, I don't want to take the emphasis off of Dowd Health and the Dowd Fam, especially if it only benefits me. There have been opportunities that have come up where I'm like, you know, this is cool for me, but it doesn't really do anything for the Dowd Fam. And that's why this one was a slam dunk because not only does the Dowd Fam get a discount code on all the products that we really use, but so many people ask me about supplements that for me to have a trusted source of a company that I can refer to people easily and not worry about maybe the ingredients or worry about the brand culture or anything that could happen like that's negative is a major win for me as well. And that's another reason we love BPN is because all of their supplements have been tested and been approved by any banned substances. Amber, what's the word I'm looking for? Is it Informed Sport is the company they use? Yeah, something like that. I We looked it up before this and then we didn't write it down, but I, that sounds really correct. Yeah, I forgot exactly what it is, but it costs them a significant amount of money. Uh, but they go through this extra third-party process to make sure that all of their products are clear of any banned substances. So it makes it safe for athletes to use, which is another really cool layer uh, on top of the fact that they make vegan protein that tastes great. They make all the whey protein that you would want. They make creatine. They make super greens powders. They make bars. They make electrolytes. They make carbohydrate mixes. All the products that we would want to use to support our general health and well-being and to support our performance are something that this brand makes and what they have planned on rolling out in the future is even more stuff that we want. So that on top of the fact that their brand motto is go one more and I from a personal level look up to this brand and what they've built and I see it as something that should really inspire the dialed fam and our motto of start moving forward. I mean, it, it's like too good to be true. So I'm very stoked about it. I mean, obviously I understand how these things work. It's going to take time to build a real relationship, but I hope that in the future that we can return a lot of value to BPN through content and help us grow while the dialed fam gets the benefit of having these trusted products that work great, that taste great, uh, and that you don't have to question. So here's another bonus, your 10% off code. It's just dialed health. Now, I'm going to be honest about this. When you use the code, we get a 10% commission back. Now, I'm bringing that up because what I want to do with the 10% commission is actually save it for the dialed health team. So myself, Amber, Brady, and then one other person that we haven't announced yet. Uh, we will be very soon. But I want to like save that money for us to do something cool with, like for us. <laughs> I'm not really sure what that'll be. Or just for the team and not even myself. I'm not really sure. But that's really what we're going to do with it. I'm very open about <laughs> money stuff. And so I hope you believe me on that. But that's the plan. So go use the code, save 10%, try the products. I'd be happy to recommend any for you that you have questions about. Uh, but go, you know, start taking in their content, get inspired from what they're doing. And I think it's going to just support the Dowd fam on another level that I personally can't. And that's why this is so valuable. It's on. We're doing it. It's super exciting. And just so anybody knows, it's their Instagram handle. It's at BPN Sups. That's it. Super short. And they do have a lot of good content. So 
Yeah, and you'll see the tag in there, the the CEO, Nick Bear. I think it's just Nick Bear Fitness. But check out the YouTube channel, Nick Bear Fitness. And that's where you'll really see all the ins and outs of BPN. Nice. Our next announcement is Dial Health Shred coming in hot. It's like less than 30 days away. So better get on it. You want to find out all the details? Derek's going to fill us in a little bit. That's right. We have the official starting date, which is January 3rd. This is the first Monday of 2022, which is when we start the Dialed Health Shred. We're going to be following the same protocol as last year, and we're starting to work on some prizes and really the exciting stuff behind the scenes right now. But I'm just putting it out there so you guys be prepped and aware. The goal is to have 30 days of fat loss and fueling your workouts along with nailing your workouts. There's going to be a self-assessment part of this where you have to actually (laughs) say, how you did. And, you know, there's some transparency there, but you know, I'm going to tell you guys, I've been a trainer for almost 10 years. You can't lie because I'm going to see the before and after photos, which are also a requirement. I can see it. I can literally see if you're telling me the truth or not. That's one part that I love about it. But honestly, it becomes this very inspiring part of the year. And I just gear up for it. I, I want everyone to enjoy the holidays, except for Amber, which we'll get into in a second. I personally, I love the holidays. I love the food. I love the alcohol and the all the festivities that come along with this time of year. And I want you guys to enjoy it. But I also, as soon as January comes around, really want you to get focused and get into that next year. And I think that starting your year this way... It's going to just ignite that self-discipline that will carry over into other areas of your life. I mean, there are so many deeper reasons we do the Dialed Health Shred, but I just want you guys to join us in January if you want to lose 5 pounds, 10 pounds. We've had someone lose 18 pounds in a month while nailing workouts and doing it safely. That's the most important thing. This is not some weird juice cleanse or weird diet. It's food tracking, it's nailing workouts, and that's it. So Amber, why don't you tell us about your December Shred that you are doing kind of leading up to it? Last week was a little rocky because, you know, December 1st was on a Wednesday, which was kind of lame. And so I kind of used the first couple days to like... Worst excuse ever. Listen, I'm really good at excuses. You you know, you know. Um, so I've been casually rolling into my December, but then yesterday I forgot. To, this is like I'm being fully transparent because I know you guys are going to hold me accountable. Forgot to track my breakfast and my lunch, but I did eat really well. It was like things I plan on having. I just forgot to freaking get my scale out because I haven't used it for a while, but whatever. Moving on. And then for dinner, I was like frustrated that I forgot to track during the day. And Quincy's like, whatever, start now, like track your dinner. And so I did. Mm. I didn't track anything, but I tracked my dinner because it was a really good dinner and it was like I meal planned and everything. I just forgot to start using my scale consistently again yesterday. So started that back up yesterday at dinner and then I've tracked everything today. I've been eating my uh, Scandinavian swimmers still every day because that's what's good in life and it's within my macros. And I had a great strength workout yesterday. I restarted the kettlebell program, which has been, you know, it's one of those things where I was kind of like screwing around, I guess, over the last couple of months. I wasn't really following any kind of program and I was finding myself kind of like annoyed with a, my lack of progress. And it's like, well, it's because you're not following a program dummy like follow Mm -hmm. a program and then you will get the consistent results that you are used to how about that so that was nice to kind of get back on track yesterday even though it was like a little wishy-washy and today i've been great just gonna probably get on the trainer this evening and nothing too wild maybe do some uh core mobility I have a couple of things I want to point out here, but what the heck is a Scandinavian swimmer? What the heck is that again? It's a Trader Joe's Swedish fish, basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> they Scandinavians. Had Christ- they had, guys, they had Christmas ones this weekend. Oh, gosh. They had Christmas Scandinavian swimmers. I died a little inside when I saw them. I had to have them. So Those I've been having amazing. a serving. 
they are delicious. <laughs> well, you bring up a really good point, And it's that a lot of times tracking and getting into that rhythm takes a little bit of like you have to knock the cobwebs out a little bit and starting a little bit sooner might be a really good idea. In fact, the reason we started initially on the first Monday of January two years ago, it wasn't just to be on the Monday, which is, of course, you know, diet starts Monday mentality. It was because it gives you a couple day buffer after the New Year's to get your stuff in gear, because when you're a member, this is a members only challenge, by the way, you'll get access to the Dowd Health Shred blog post that has all the materials and criteria. And you do need to go get some measuring cups. You need to make sure your food scale is out. You need to make sure your actual home scale for body weight is out. Like these are the types of things that you might have to get into play that you haven't really done in a while. And you might just literally blow through breakfast and all of a sudden be like, oh my gosh, I did not track. And so for you to commit to even tracking one meal could be that kickstart to kind of get your mind going. And like, I promise you, if you just wake up the day of the diet and be like, I'm learning how to track, I'm doing all of it today, I'm going to do it perfectly from day one, it's probably not going to happen. So learn from Amber on this one, uh, because I've experienced it as well. It can take a good week to really get in the rhythm of it and knock out the cobwebs. And if you want to have the most successful January possible, you know, start early or start prepping early, or even if it's going to be one tracked meal throughout the day, so that when the official challenge starts, you're ready to go, you're going to be so much more successful. Now, the other thing I have to say, Amber, did you want to add something to that? Yeah. So, I mean, that goes back to that whole thing, like at the beginning, at least for me, where it's like, I need a couple days before I really get started to get the neutral mindset that you were talking about. Like, I got to like ease into it and kind of get into it. I can't just do like a cold start doing it all at once. And I know that because I've def- I've failed it so many times. I've failed that so many times. So you are right. It's you got to ease into it sometimes. So just be aware that you may need to give it a little bit of a head start. Yeah, it is a little overwhelming. But dude, I give you props for doing that. And I'm happy that you're open with everyone about it. Because this is real parts of the process that are going to help a lot of people have more success for the official dial health shred. Now, the other thing I want to point yeah. out, which we need to correct is that you said I might get on the trainer and I maybe will pedal later. Here's the thing. Might and maybe are, that's like the most, those are like losing words. We're winners over here. Okay. We are coked up Charlie Sheen. We are winning and I can't have you, there cannot be fuzziness around what you might do later for your workout. You're either riding your bike or you're not. So you got to get that in your head. I can't hear the word maybe. It's I'm doing the trainer ride later. That's it. Black and white. I don't care how fuzzy you guys want to make it. It's you're doing it or you're not doing it. If you're a wishy-washy maybe, you are not on track. So I didn't mean to go in on you there, but you know. I am I am doing some sort of activity this evening as a true mother and, and I'm no pro athlete. I am a legit two-job working <laughs> mom. I am not fully Carly Sheen. Remember that? Carly Sheen. I have PTO at 6.15. I'm wrapping up this podcast, wrapping up regular work. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to have like a little time frame. So whatever feels good is what's happening. It'll be consistent. It will be something. But yeah, I haven't like fully decided what I'm doing today because today was kind of packed. But like I'm doing strength something today, ride. I promise you. Yeah, something. I will, I'll either go uh, run okay. and get in some core and strength or I will get on the trainer and do some core and a little bit of probably a little bit of upper body. Man, those unilateral Russian twists tear my sides up. Holy cannoli. I have to get on a foam roller at some point today. Those hurt, man. (laughs) That is a wrap for episode 101, how to go from stiff and tired and ready to ride. Derek, why don't you uh, lead us out? 
Thanks everybody for listening. Amber and I were talking about it between takes here that this felt just like a better version of our old episodes. You know, all the solo episodes I used to do, I'll tell you personally, I enjoyed it a lot more having Amber here. I know a lot of people have made great comments about her being a part of the show and just bringing different perspective, bubbly, fun, awesome energy, the personality, and she's the voice of the people, which has been really cool. But doing this more solo type episode where I get a chance to to rant and talk about not only personally the things I experienced, but also be a real trainer and try to kind of coach you guys through this process that we're all experiencing. It just felt really good. So I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, if you are, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast app. Leave a review. Just say anything positive. Don't overthink it. Same thing with Google. Going to Google and saying something positive along with a five-star review about the website is incredible. It really helps us a ton. And you could also share that you're listening to the podcast on your Instagram story. Make sure you tag Dialed Health. You could also tag at the.goodsimon, which is Amber's handle. And that's it, you guys. I really appreciate you rolling with us. And I guess last thing, the biggest thing I would ask is go to dialedhealth.com, get yourself a membership, and most importantly, get the results. We're building this product to really genuinely give you the best riding experience that you can have. And a lot of that comes from off the bike work. So we're doing our best to provide that as a product for you. We're working on the app that's coming out in the end of Q1 of next year. And until then, we have an awesome on-demand resources for you all on the website uh, for an extremely low cost. So I hope you love it. And most importantly, I hope you get the results that you want from it. So that being said, start moving forward. We will see you next Monday.